Well, we're so glad you're here today. Thank you very much for uh, being at Mile Straight. If you haven't already, if you'll reach into your bulletin, you'll find in there a lot of stuff today. There's a lot of inserts, and we'll get to those one by one as we move through the course of our service. But what I'm really interested in right now is the uh, study guide insert you'll find there. If you will, take that study guide insert out and uh, grab you a clipboard and a pen from the book rack in front of you. And let's jump into our discussion. Uh, today we come to part three of uh, stepping into the future. Part three. Now, it was not intended to be a three-part series, and I don't know if it will end up being a four-part series. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens between now and next week. But uh, what I am very clear on is that this is exactly what God wanted for us today. He made that very clear in my study time. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started this process by talking about the theme for 2018, stepping into the future, that what we do today really does matter. It makes a big difference for generations that will follow us. And we started that process by talking about the purpose of our church. Remember, we compared it to an umbrella over us. And this umbrella was like the, the guiding light, if you will. There it is. There's the purpose of the church and as long as we stay under the umbrella, as long as we stay focused and underneath the purpose that God has given us as a church, then we are moving in the right direction, we are pleasing to God, we're honoring God, and God is receiving what He's created us as individuals to do and what He put our church in existence to do, and that is to glorify Him. I mean, there's the purpose of our church. There's the purpose of us as a collective group, and there's the purpose of us as individuals, that we exist to glorify God. We were created for the purpose of glorifying God. Now, if we stray out from under the umbrella as a church, as individuals, if we stray out from under the purpose of our church, then we get into some very dangerous territory because no longer are we doing what we were created to do. No longer are we glorifying God, but all of a sudden we've got the purpose in mind of maybe glorifying ourselves or working to some other means other than what God created us for. And it's very dangerous. And so we have to be very intentional about staying under the umbrella staying focused on our purpose. We then saw that God has given us a means by which we're going to accomplish that purpose. And we saw Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, how God has directed our hearts to go into all the nations and make disciples. And so we have a call upon us that we are going to work to make disciples both here and around the world, disciples of Jesus Christ, so that in turn we glorify God, thereby staying under the umbrella, staying focused on what God has given us as individuals in a church to do. So we have a purpose to glorify God. The way we're going to achieve that is through making disciples. And then we took it to the next step because we wanted to bring our vision into play here. We wanted to have a vision that focused on this disciple-making issue. Okay, if that's what God's called us to, if that's the route by which we are going to give Him glory, then how are we going to go about doing that? What's 
the vision of our church to make that happen, to see something different at the end of 2018 for the betterment of God, for the betterment of Christ, for the glory of God through the process than we see here at the beginning of 2018. And of course, the vision we're talking about, we mentioned this stepping into the future, where we want us to take a glimpse of ourselves. We want us to take inventory of where we are right now both individually and collectively as a church, we want to understand where am I in my walk with God? Where am I in this relationship? Where am I in the process of making disciples of Jesus Christ? And So we acknowledge where we are, and then we look to the future to say, okay, at the end of 2018, here's where I want to be. Here's where I want to be as an individual, as a church. This is where I want to go. But I see that there's some distance that needs to be made up in the process. And so what we do is we begin to look and say, okay, well, there's certain steps I need to be taking. And what are those steps? I need to take this step in order to get closer. And when I take that step, then I need to sure up the foundation there. I need to make sure that I'm on the right foundation, first of all. And I need to strengthen that, that product of this step. I need to strengthen what's, what's underneath me so that I'm growing and I'm developing so that when it comes time, I'm ready then to push off of this step to the next step. But what we don't want to do is get so bogged down. And maybe, maybe you're a very detailed person, and so you want to know every step between now and the end of 2018 to get us to the place we want to be. But for me, you know what? That just boggles my mind. It hurts my thoughts. I, I can't think that far in advance. What I have to do, because I'm a very simple person, I just have to focus on what's next. I have to focus on that very next step. What's my next step? Not what do I have to do three steps from now, but what do I have to do to get to this next place, to move a little bit closer? And so the vision of our church for 2018 and beyond is just these simple steps that as a group, we're going to be taking steps together. And it is the heart of the pastors and leadership of this church that we're not just going to throw you out there and say, here's where you are, here's where you need to be, now figure out how to get to that second place. But we're going to walk with you through the process because we're all in this together. Our steps may be different. Where we need to go next may be different. But we're all into this together. And so as a result, we're going to take these steps one by one and we're going to help you know, okay, here's where my next step should be. Here's what I need to be looking for and directing my heart and my attention to achieve next. Here's my next step. Well, last Sunday, we then stepped into the verse for 2018. And uh, some of you let me know that I messed up the reference there, and I thank you for that. I, I, I get a little bit twisted in my mind sometimes. It's, uh, I said Proverbs 19.6, I believe, and it was Proverbs 16.9. Okay, so... Uh, uh, yeah, now you know I'm fallible, right? Okay. Okay, so I messed that up. Thank you for, for pointing that out because I do want that to be correct in our minds and in our thinking. And we talked about a really good way to know the will of God as we're moving this direction toward staying under the umbrella and, and giving God glory from our lives and from our church. 
we came to this understanding that the best way or a great way at least to acknowledge God's will in our life are just to weigh the options and to say, okay, with this option, God is not going to get glory. If I take this step next, God is not going to get glory from my life. There's no way. But now if I take this step, well, it's kind of a neutral step. It really doesn't give God glory, but it doesn't cost Him glory. It doesn't have me stealing His glory from Him. So, okay, there's, there's a means of the next step. But then there's this other step that I know if I take this step, man, God is going to get a lot of glory. It just opens up my ability to give God more glory from my life. And so as a result, I weigh the options and it's a no-brainer then what God's will is because I've been created to give God glory. Therefore, my options are limited. This one that's not going to give God glory is going to detract from God. It's going, to, it's going to cause Him shame. It's no longer on the table, right? Because it doesn't fulfill the purpose of my life. It may bring me more money. It may bring me a, an elevation in my job status or a better association with some influential people. But that's not really my purpose in life. My purpose in life is not to gain status. My purpose in life is to glorify God. Therefore, if this option doesn't achieve that, it's off the table. This neutral option, well, it could be neither good nor bad. It, it could be okay. But if there's another option that better fits my purpose in life, then all of a sudden it becomes crystal clear to me, there's where I've got to go, right? There's my, there's my only choice in this matter. Now, there's Sometimes you come to a decision that everything is neutral. You, you really don't. You really uh, like going and buying a car. Does God want me to have a red car? Or does God want me to have a black car? i got to be honest with you. For most of us, God just doesn't care if you drive a red car or a black car. He probably cares very little about that. And so when you come to weigh your options here, you're trying to figure out if it's God's will, you may just come to the place where you see, well, this is just a, a very neutral area, and therefore, you know, I just do what, what I want to do in this situation, as long as it's not going to detract from the glory of God, and as long as there's not a better option that's going to give God glory. Oh, so there's a mouthful going on, right? Information overload. But here we come now to today. Because today we're going to take this third step. We started way back here looking at the theme, stepping into the future. What we do today really does matter. We're either going to strengthen our resolve, we're going to strengthen our purpose, and we're going to leave behind us something that is much better, even stronger than what we have now for the generations that will follow, or we're going to leave them something that's crumbling and decaying because we've not cared about that purpose at all. And so it really does matter. What we do today matters. What we determine we're going to do in 2018, the steps that we're going to take to get to where we want to be at the end of the year, and that's making disciples of Jesus Christ in even greater numbers than we are right now. When we look at that, we take those steps. What we're saying is the purpose that God has created us for, the purpose for which God has placed our church here is so important to us. And we're going to be taking these steps to strengthen that resolve so that we leave behind something that is incredible for the generations that will follow us. So today we come to this place to where we say, okay, look at what's happening in our church. And it's so exciting, isn't it?
You know, for me as a pastor, I got to tell you, uh, this is year 19, uh, serving mile straight for me. And so in this 19 years, we've had those times that uh, have been very exciting, and we've had those times that, uh, man, I just wanted to crawl under a rock somewhere because there was no excitement to be found anywhere. And we could have lit a bomb in here, and it wouldn't have created any excitement, I think. You know, it's just one of those seasons where it was just dry as a bone. And to look now and see how God is blessing, how people are being saved, and people are being baptized, and people are growing in their faith, and to see how our numbers are growing, not just because we want more people, but what do more people represent? More people represent more opportunities to make more disciples, which makes more opportunity to stabilize and strengthen the purpose of Mile Straight. In just a little while, we're going to vote on building the children's wing. And that in itself is exciting to me. Building a building is exciting. But when we come to look at what it's going to accomplish, to open up more opportunities for more children to come, for more parents of children to come, which in turn gives us more opportunities to make more disciples, to make more opportunities to give God glory from our church, then all of a sudden what's happening is just so incredibly exciting to me. And I mean, I just, I get almost giddy when I think about it. Uh, grown men, 52 years old, aren't supposed to get very giddy. But I find myself getting a little bit giddy every now and then. You have to come and ask me what that means afterwards and we'll look it up. But, uh, so here we are. But I believe that because of the things that are happening, it has a tendency to cause people to say, you know what, I want to be part of that. I want to get involved. I, I see what God is doing. God is, is very much working through the people at Mile Straight, and I want to be part of that. In other words, what you see on the screen, what you see on your handout, I want to be a disciple of Jesus as well. I want to get involved. I, I see life happening Life growing and extending into a dead world. I see these things taking place, and I want to be part of that. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But then there's this really big problem. Because a lot of us would look at that and say, I want to be, but I really don't know how to be. I really don't know what my next steps should be. But how wonderful it is that, uh, you know, the dedication of our pastors and leaders of this church are such now that we determine that we're going to teach what the next steps are. And in this particular situation, it is so easy to do. Because, in fact, Jesus Christ has already laid it out for us. And Jesus Christ has already told us, in, in our text for today, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, He's already shown us, so clearly, no unclear terms, very clearly, here's the way you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And there's three very important steps. If you will, look at your study guide. This passage, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, says this, Then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone would come after me... Now let me pause for just a second. Now, excuse me for interrupting the verse, but let me, let me just give you a couple of thoughts. If anyone will come after me, if, if anyone desires 
to come after me, is what he's saying. There's a desire for, for someone to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a desire for them to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If they will come after me, we see a perpetual thing here. It's not that I desire to come after Jesus, I do it one time, and therefore I am now a disciple. I don't have to do anything else. No, it's a lifelong, persistent activity. I am going to work to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to work to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a process that takes me my whole life. I never get to the point to where I say, look at me, I've achieved it. Woohoo! Now, in the process, I am becoming that. And I can say I am a disciple, but I've never reached that full maturity to where now I can just stop and sit back and, and tell everybody else what to do. Because I am continually growing in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm growing in my understanding of what it means to be a follower of the Savior. Okay? So he tells us, if anyone will come after me, look at the rest of the verse... He says, he must deny himself. Here's the three points. He must deny himself, number two, and take up his cross daily, and number three, and follow me. Okay, so let's break these steps down into some very logical thoughts, okay? Number one, get ready to write. Because number one, he says, he must deny himself. What I see in this is that I must seek to glorify God with my whole self. I must seek to glorify God with my whole self. When I first started into this process of studying this out, quite honestly, when I came to this particular chunk of the, of the verse, I was looking at this from a very limited sight perspective. I was looking at this as if to say, well, okay, so there's little chunks here in my life that I've got to deny. And the problem is that doesn't do justice to what the thought he is trying to convey. It doesn't do justice to that thought whatsoever. Because what he's saying is, no, this is a whole self-experience. This is a whole self-experience by which I, I take a self-examination. And I look at where I am. And I acknowledge the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I look at what's positive in my life, what's like Jesus Christ. And I also look at those things that are in conflict with the person and teaching of Jesus Christ. And when I find something that's in conflict with the person and teaching of Jesus Christ, because I'm supposed to be a disciple, I'm supposed to be like Christ, then what I have to do is I have to deny Myself in those areas. Okay, now please hear this because this is really important. I have to deny myself in the areas where there is conflict. I have to say, you know what, if there's a root of bitterness in me, that's not very Christ-like. If there's, if there's an anger, an uncontrolled anger in me, if there's a tongue of gossip, a, a greed, if there is... You know, this desire that I want to be seen, I want to be heard, this pride thing going on in my life. Then I understand that's not Christ-like. So what I have to do is say, you cannot have control of my life. You cannot have authority over my life. So I have to deny myself in that area so that I can be like Jesus Christ. I have to deny myself 
so that I can follow him more fully, so that I can be a living example of who he is. I have to deny myself in this area. There was a rich young ruler came to Jesus. And he said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you got to keep the law. He said, I've been doing that ever since I was a child. This was before Jesus died. And Jesus said, but there's one thing you're still missing. And he said, well, what is that? And he said, I want you to go and sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor. Then come and be my disciple. The Bible tells us that the rich young ruler went away very sorrowful, very rejected, dejected, I guess is a better word. Because he had a lot of stuff. And maybe we think to ourselves, well, why would Jesus tell him that? I mean, why would Jesus say to him, go sell everything? Did he want him to be destitute? Did he want him to be homeless, a vagabond? <laughs> no, the truth is that Jesus had already done the examination. And Jesus saw that there was something that he was trusting in that wasn't God. And what he found was he was trusting in his money. And so to make this clear, he said, man, this is your area, the conflict. You're not trusting God here. You, you, you can't trust God because you've got more confidence in your wealth than you do in him. So the way to overcome that, you've got to deny yourself in this area. Go and sell it all. Give the money away. And then come back and let's talk. Now, is God calling us to that? Is God calling us to a vow of poverty? Probably not. It, maybe he's calling someone in here to that. That's between you and him. But probably, probably that's not it. But what he wants us to do is take an inventory of our lives and see, okay, here's an area of my life that's in conflict with the teaching and person of Jesus Christ. It doesn't measure up to what it's supposed to be. And therefore, I've got to deny myself in that area. You say, okay, how do I go about that? You know, it would be so different for each situation that uh, it would be impossible to try even generalizing such a thought, I guess. But if you'd like to talk in more depth about that, I would love to talk with you. Any of our pastors would love to spend time with you and maybe just work through a solution of how you can come to an understanding that God's got to be first in every area of your life. If we want to take that step toward discipleship, we want to take that next step toward being what God has called us to be, created us to be, one that brings glory to Him, then uh, maybe there's an area where we've got to bring about denial. One interesting thing I found, and then I'll move on. Uh, in, in reading through some uh, commentaries and different things about this part of the verse, the word that's used here, the, the word that's used for deny, is the same word that's used of Peter when he denied Jesus Christ three times on the night that he was betrayed and eventually crucified on the cross of Calvary the next day. Same word. And in my thoughts, as I was reading through that, I came to an understanding that Jesus is talking to a lot of people here, but Peter's in the group. And he already knows Peter's going to deny him when it comes time. 
And so I believe that he's telling Peter, Peter, you got to do this one of two ways. You're either going to deny yourself or you're going to deny me. You're either going to let fear have control of your life and therefore you're going to deny me or you're going to deny that fear a place in your life and you're going to deny yourself. So what's it going to be? In Peter's case, he chose deny Christ. And then he realized what he had done. Went out and wept bitterly. Man. So we have an opportunity to learn from Peter's mistakes. Hopefully we do that. But it all comes down to glorifying God with my whole self. Not aspects of it, not parts of it, but my whole self. Okay, now that brings us to the second thing. Point number two is that I also have to come to the place to where I'm going to seek to follow Jesus with my suffering. I'm going to seek to follow Jesus with my suffering. He tells us, take up his cross. He must take up his cross. Now, for the people who were listening to this live, and those in the early church, they would have been very familiar with what Jesus was saying. They would have been very familiar because they had personally seen or heard about the gruesome activities of the Roman soldiers. How those who had been condemned to die would carry their cross out to a certain spot. They would then be attached to that cross. And they would be hung to die in shame and misery. Such torture until they had died. They would have known. And this imagery would have probably been sickening to them a little bit. This is what you want from me. And what Jesus was indicating was, guess what, guys? I'm about to go down this path. And I'm telling you that if you want to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to follow that same path if called upon to do it. You've got to be ready and you've got to be willing. Did you know there are people all around the world today who are dying for their faith? People all around the world who are suffering because they refuse to deny Jesus Christ. They've denied themselves the right to to comfort and to ease, but they will not deny Jesus Christ. Now, in our country, right now, we don't see that happening. Certainly, there is a rise in the difficulties that Christians face as a whole. And I believe one day soon, we're going to face some very stiff persecution. But right now, that's not part of our existence. So does this verse have any, any application to us whatsoever? And the answer is yes, it certainly does. Now, I believe one of the applications we can draw from this is that Christ is telling us, you know what, they're suffering in our lives daily. Now, not that we have it every day, but the potential for it being there daily is, is always there. And we have different types of suffering. Uh, you may lose your job because of your faith in Christ. And that's, 
That's definitely suffering for Christ. But these other types of suffering, I think, play into it as well, like, like uh, sickness, and difficulties physically, cancer, heart attack, stroke, other things that you've encountered, arthritis. Man, there's some really bad stuff out there. And on top of that, you could also be having financial issues to where, you know, the money you used to have just isn't there anymore, and therefore you're really struggling. You've lost a job, or you ran into some huge expense, and as a result, man, you're just barely making it week to week. Or maybe yours is in a line of relationships. You're having some really difficult times with your family, having some real issues in communicating or holding the family together. You have one aspect of the family who's heard something that wasn't right, or maybe it was right. It really doesn't matter, but it's created this rift and this, this, this deep uh, problem in the family. And as a result, man, you just, you just torn up all the time. Maybe you've had a death in the family, you experienced sudden death or, or something you knew was coming, but either way, it still created this heartache. And, and what you find throughout the course of these times is that you're leaving a lot of tears on the pillow at night. And I believe the application coming from this is that Jesus is saying, you know, what I want you to do is I want you to follow me with your suffering. I want you to follow me regardless of your suffering. I want you to walk with me through these valleys and through these difficult times. I want you to continue to pursue me. I want you to continue to be my disciple. I don't want you to bow up and quit because you've had problems. Don't waste your difficulties. Don't waste your problems. But use them as an opportunity to glorify God in your life. Use them as an opportunity to have people look and be totally confused. Because somehow in the middle of this tragedy, somehow in the middle of this sorrow, somehow in the middle of this difficulty, you have a peace and a joy in your life that they can't possibly understand. So that people see your good work, so that people see your suffering and yet your joy and peace. And God is glorified in our lives. So we take these steps of discipleship. So that ultimately, God gets glory. You see, I'm totally convinced That we see where we are, we see where we want to be at the end of this year. We want to be disciple makers. But there is absolutely no way for us to be a disciple maker if we're not first a disciple. It's impossible for me to show someone how to follow Christ. For them to follow my example. For them to, to listen to my teaching. If I'm not first doing that. It's like someone may say, I want to teach you to be an electrician. But they're not an electrician. I am already scared to death of electricity. I probably am not going to follow them in learning to be an electrician. And so Jesus said, here it is, guys. 
I want you to be my disciple. And if you've got this desire to follow me, I want you to deny yourself. And I want you to take up your suffering. And I want you to follow me. Number three, he said, I want you to follow me, which translates in the way we're going to read it. I've got to learn to seek to be like God's son with my story. I've got to learn to seek to be like God's son with my story. Now, what's Christ's story? Word of God. Cover to cover is the story of Jesus Christ. My story is what I do in my life. So what I want to do is have my story be so closely resembling the story of Jesus Christ that people look at me and they accuse me of being a Christian. How novel, right? He's a little Christ. His story lines up so well with the story of Jesus that he's obviously a little Christian, a little Christ. The Apostle Paul was talking about some of the characteristics and qualities of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 8. You have those verses listed on your study guide. He says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Verse 5. Let this mind, what mind, what he's just talked about, these things that he's talking about. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This mind, this, this selfless mind, this selfless attitude. Let this be in you, which we also saw in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so we look at this and we can see in this passage some really incredible characteristics of Jesus Christ and his story which we then ought to resemble. We ought to model for others to see. When they look at our lives, they ought to see these same characteristics. And what do we see displayed in this story? Let me just give you three. You might want to write these in. Number A, letter A, number one, however you want to list it. Simply... An unconditional love. An unconditional love. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ and you know what he has commanded. And you know what he did. The greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. The second command is equal to it. Or, or uh, second is likened to it, rather. That you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, so we've got this command to love others. We saw that displayed in the life of Jesus Christ, and it was an unconditional love. Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die for you if you are perfect in your ways, or, or if you, you work really hard between now and then, and, uh, and then we'll see about that. No. Such an unconditional love. It's amazing. 
the, the song we sang last as a congregation. There was one line that kind of caught me. It said, and your heart is kind. Your heart is kind. I was thinking this week about the kindness of God. I was thinking about how amazing it is that His mercies are new every morning. I, I can't describe to you this, this exhilaration I feel to consider the kindness of God toward me. Because while you see one thing on Sunday, I know how I am throughout the rest of the week. And I know my intentions, but I also know when I fail. And to know that God in His kindness still loves me, still forgives me, still accepts me. It truly is an overwhelming thought. Jesus loves unconditionally. Let her be. Not only do we see his unconditional love, but we also see his servanthood. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Look out not only for the interest that you have, but also the interest of others. How important it is that we adapt this into our lives. That we become people who are concerned about serving others. That we have such a love for one another that we're willing to spend time in the nursery or in the children's department or youth department or young adults. We're willing to be in the choir to help lead us into worship, be in the, 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 the uh, uh, what? Orchestra? Thank you. Man. You know when you start forgetting words, it's about time to quit. So y'all are getting close. You know, to be up here to help lead us into the heart of worship. Be part of the tech team. People who only get noticed when something goes wrong. <laughs> to be a greeter. Welcoming. Letting people know that we're glad they're here. How vital it is that we take that step. You may look and say, you know what, I've been part of this church for a long time. And to be honest with you, I'm not really doing anything. Man, there's a step for you. And then number three, not only do we see His unconditional love, His servanthood, but we also see in the person of Jesus Christ, His obedience to the Father. His obedience to the Father. So we see the plan of God and the Word of God, and we see the will of God, and now it's time for us to be obedient to it. Obedience. So what do we do with this information? I hope it's obvious. You know, I hope that we come to the place where we see where we are, and we understand, well, here's some really big steps toward being a disciple myself. So that later on, I then can disciple others. What's that step? We made a reference to a number of steps. Maybe you see very clearly, well, here's the obvious one for me next. So you're going to begin that process. 
You know, I think it begins with a surrender. Now, obviously, it begins with a relationship. If you don't know Christ as Savior, you can't be a disciple because you're not like Him. There's a process that takes place when God forgives me and cleanses me, and puts me in the family of God that establishes a relationship that I can't get any other way. That's the first requirement. But then, that, that I begin to, to want to be like Christ. I want to take those steps. And I want to move to where someday I am where I want to be in these increments by the end of 2018. So we surrender our lives and say, God, I want to follow your son. Help me to take these steps. So how do we conclude? You know, I'm having trouble with this thought right now because I'm kind of pulled a couple of different ways. But I believe here's the way we're going to do it. I want to give you just a moment, quiet reflection. And what I would love for you to do is, is self-examination. Where am I? And what step do I need to take to be where we want to be at the end of this year?